Welcome to Quad Life. I'm your host, Brian Bell. Today, I wanted to try something different. I want to share with you this week about the loss of a friend, Brad Jacobson. I was lucky enough to meet Brad in the early days of my injury while still at GF Strong. Where were you born, man? Prince George. And then you moved into... uh... Dodge. To where? Dawson Creek. Dawson Creek. And you lived there for how long? I don't know. Well, until I was 14. Till you were 14? Spent, spent a little time on the island. Yeah? We're yeah, in, when I was a baby. Whereabouts? In uh, Duncan. Duncan. So you actually moved around quite a bit when you were little. Yeah, my dad was a, my dad built highways. Oh, who did he work for? Emil Anderson. Oh, right on. He was a general superintendent for those guys. Right on. He got all their jobs, bid on all their jobs in the province, you know, and oversee them. So I worked for him for a while too. Working for your old man? Yeah, I ran an asphalt plant for apprentice to run an asphalt plant. Made me understand asphalt. I was going to spend my life on it. Oh, yeah? Is that sort of where you thought you were going to be doing for the rest of your life? <laughs> you know, just jokingly. You know, you, you work in it. Your dad's like, builds all the highways in BC. And then you end up on it. You know, it's your number one go-to. Yeah. You know, when I'm cruising, when I'm cruising my power chair down a fresh piece of blacktop, I can appreciate it. You, I know the, I know the grades. I know the style. I know the angles. I know the smells and the what it took to do it and the temperatures. <laughs> he had seen my sister in the hallway and wanted to check her out. This led him straight into my room, and before long we were talking. At first, I couldn't figure out what he was doing at GF Strong four years post-injury, or why anyone would be there four years post-injury. I later learned he was coaching kids basketball in the GF gym. He was an avid basketball player and loved the sport in any way, shape, or form. He couldn't play, he was happy to coach. With the personality he had, he was able to draw the kids in, and they loved him for it. On that first visit, he almost immediately started to tell us the story of the day he got out of GF Strong. He went straight to the airport and did a tandem skydive, which ended with two broken legs. We became fast friends, and I looked forward to his visits before basketball practice. Brad has an incredible gift. He makes it easy for you to open up by opening up himself. Knowing that he was four years ahead of me in recovery made it seem like there were possibilities out there. An attitude was everything. Although Brad maybe didn't realize at the time, his presence at GF was the essence of what the Pure Program is all about. It took me a while to realize his pre-practice visits were 
also about helping himself adapt to a new life through helping others do the same. In many ways, he was already a peer mentor, a title that he would later take on officially. Our friendship seemed to ebb and flow as he was busy working as a peer mentor and peer program coordinator, and I was busy raising two children. But we managed to stay in touch and get a phone call in on a semi-regular basis. And I knew it was Brad when I picked up the phone and I heard, Bopper, what's going on? I remember when Brad decided he was going to do the West Coast Trail. An incredible feat, even if you are able-bodied. As he started to prepare for the kayaking portion of his trip, he needed a controlled area to practice rolling his kayak. I previously asked him if there was anything I could do to help, and he said, how about your easily accessible pool? And I was in. One Saturday, he brought over his tandem kayak with the help of Brad's support team. We got him into the kayak and slid him into the pool. On the way into the pool, we heard a crack. He'd broken his ribs. We got him out of the pool and passed him a beer. And in spite of it all, he still stayed for a visit. He eventually went to a doctor and had to postpone his trip by a year. He carried on, though, and trained and eventually made his trip happen, completing the West Coast Trail and the Juan de Fuca Trail in 2005 and 2007, respectively. And that's, that's, that's the stuff nobody knows or sees. It's what people see there that is... Uh, you know, how you let people take you along the edge of a cliff or go across a zip line or get on your back and climb a 100-foot cliff. Or, you know, it was endless. Mm -hmm. What you do, you get your, you get yourself out on the open ocean in surf landings and on a cold sea, you know, you go in that water for 15 20 minutes and you and you can't get to shore you're you're dead. You know, able-bodied you're you're going to be hurting so yeah at, uh, those are risks well that was one of the biggest things for you too is the like getting cold and not being able to get warm eh yeah, and we practiced that. You know, I got cold a couple times. On our practice trip, I went and spent three days in sideways rain, just getting drenched. And uh, figuring out how we could try and overcome that. And I got in English Bay, you know, for 45 minutes doing search and rescue or trying to get me back in a boat, you know, and then racing home in the van and, and getting in the shower and shivering for an hour till I got my body temperature back. So those were some pretty big risks. What did you say? How did you sit in this chair thing that you, when you climbed up that cliff? Oh, how when did I got on the backs? When I got on the backs in the harness? Yeah, how, you were like, were you facing in towards the rock or were you facing out? 
in. I was a, basically a backpack. Oh, okay. Wrapped around the body like a backpack. Did you tie your, your legs up at all? or? I had to, yeah. Yeah. So I designed a little harness strap that would pull me up so my feet, especially when we had to sit back down, wouldn't get crushed. Right. But it basically, I was doing a back scratcher. That's how I explained it to them. I want to pull my feet up. Like when you do a ski jump and you do a cross or a star. Yeah. I want my feet like that pulled up. So once I'm on that person's back, one person grabs my legs, pulls them together, and we just do a quick little zip strap or zap strap around my ankles. And yeah. it keeps it together. There's a couple of good shots in the vid right at the end where, where I'm going up and saying a little spiel and you can really see it. It's in a slow-mo and you can see how that works. Looking back, what was the best part of it for you? The, the kayak. Even, even though you broke your ribs in my pool. <laughs> yeah, that was a setback. That was a necessary setback. That was fate. Doing something good. Because we weren't ready. Being trapped at Sombrio for two days was was uh, one of the best times of my life. Being trapped where? At Sombrio. Sombrio? Yeah, the surf beach on the west coast. We got trapped there. It's like, it's an old hippie commune. Oh, yeah. Of surfers and draft dodgers. And they had like a little settlement there back through the 70s and 60s and 70s. And uh, I'd been there a few times able bodied because my grandparents lived just down the highway there. It's a, it's a major surf beach for locals. Because it's got a left-hand break, it's 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 a really unique spot, and uh, and we got trapped in there from small craft warnings. So that's where we surfed the kayaks. We just took them out on the on the water, and we just surfed in the waves. Oh, it just sort of stuck around and stayed in that spot and surfed for the day. Yeah, for two days. <laughs> Right on. It, it was beach life, dude. We just sat around the trail rider by the bonfires. I stretched on the beach. We drank, we smoked a lot of doobies, and um, the guys ziplined, you know, like just balancing on the rope. And, and yeah, it was, went on a couple of little hikes up the trails because it's part of the Juan de Fuca Marine Trail, went to a waterfall, kayaked around to a waterfall and played in the waterfall one day, um, celebrated my birthday out there, got all the boats out in a big circle about a kilometer offshore and drank a bottle of scotch and smoked a dew yeah. during the sunset. Brad and the rest of the West Coast Trail team recorded their journey on video with the intent of creating a film. A trailer was produced and released, but unfortunately the film was never completed. Near the end of his life, Brad and I talked about this over the phone.
Their other thing was too, I wanted to ask you about the, about your film footage and if there's some way that I could talk to Chelsea if we could get a hold of it and and do you right by it. So that was another thing I wanted to chat with you too is because Jordan came to see me and had we had a big had a big big cry down and meltdown and heart to heart about stuff and she's been she's been talking with Chelsea quite a bit too. Oh good. So I think that regardless Chelsea's gonna be involved and you know and you and Jordan and whoever else, you know, just if Jordan you know, can be the caregiver of that, that's cool. I just don't want it to die, buddy. I want it to I want people to see that there's there's just it needs to be seen. You did all that work. It needs to be seen. So if Jordan can handle it, then that's awesome. But if as long as you have a steward of it, then I'm cool. I'll back off and. Oh no! I think I think I need as many. For me, I, I would love input from from all directions, and not just that. I need like I need people that know me before my injury involved. You know, like yeah, like like Tommy and and there's people right there in Kelowna. You know, my I've got family and and teachers and friends and and people I grew up with, you know, that are right there at, at Chelsea's doorstep. Perfect. Um, so there's a lot of history in K-Town. In our last few conversations before his passing, the mention of the West Coast Trail adventure always perked him up. Although there was much happiness, I still felt his lingering sense of sorrow for having never seen the film completed. You know, the, the story isn't, the, the beauty of that story is about the standing spirit in everybody and told through the journey, the journey and through my journey along a path. And then everybody who came along had their own journeys that were found along the way. You know, and it basically is a, it's basically a, a stencil for anybody who is feeling like they're at that low point. You forget how to play. Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah, Life gets more serious as we move through it. And there's really so many outlets that are just right there before us, and yet we don't see them anymore. You know what happens is we get too we get too proud and we get too uh, we get too proud and we got too much ego and we we don't let ourselves be friends and have friends and rely on others to to open those doorways again or to to get you there, remind you there, whatever, you know? Yeah. And look what can happen when you do.
When I started the podcast, Brad was one of the first people I had hoped to interview. Unfortunately, at the time, he was having some major health issues and was reluctant to participate. We agreed to revisit when things got better. This time never came, and his health never got back to a point where he felt like he was up for doing an actual interview. In our conversations, though, it became clear to me that he never really knew how much of an impact he'd had on his peers and the community. I don't think you realize how many lives you have touched. And I think that's probably really what the what this is about is just this gives you an opportunity to to maybe speak to some of those lives that you've touched because I'm pretty sure they all want to know what's happening with you. Yeah, I'm on bets I've had to. Look at us, we're, we're just so curious by nature. I don't know exactly what it is about him, but he is cooler than the other side of the pillow. And everybody I know agrees he is one cool cat. Most quads and paras that I know all think he's an amazing human being. He's kind, thoughtful, loving, and generous, and he gave more of himself than most. He's a guy who loved to laugh and have a good time. Over the years, we had a few BCPA annual get-togethers at my house as it was accessible and could handle many wheelchairs, providing you didn't fall in the pool. This eventually inspired Brad and I to start our own independent event called Quad Fest. A bit of drunken fun and debauchery, quad style. As the saying goes, what happens at Quad Fest stays at Quad Fest. But this is the Brad that I know, the guy who brought people together just for the sake of having fun. I've got a hockey pool coming up on Saturday, and I'm thinking, like, how am I going to have the energy for these guys. They got like, we got 12 guys that are gonna do a Zoom thing. It's gonna be a full on party for four or five hours of listening to them make their picks and drink and shoot the shit. But it's also something I don't wanna miss. It's a 28 year ritual. 28 years you've been going strong? 28 years I started, no, longer. Like longer that was like more casual. But when we actually, when I bought the pewter cup and we started putting our names on it after wins, it was 28 years ago. So we had 28 names on there with the years all around the, the cup. <laughs> and when you win the cup, you keep it for a year. It's kind of like the sacred cup that you pass on at the next pool to the following winner. And you have to get his name engraved on it. This is the first time that it won't be in person with everyone. Like, it's like a thing. We all live all around the province. It's a couple guys that live out of province, a couple guys overseas. So they usually like phone in or try to manage it with the time difference. Oh yeah. But other than that, everyone gets together or tries to, you know, come down and get an Airbnb or a breakfast or a hotel or sack out at someone's place for the night. And uh, the married guys, family guys, it's their one night to just hit the debaucherous road and go nuts. <laughs> so there's a lot, like seriously dude, crazy fucking stories.
I remember one time I was right in the middle of a dysreflexic episode. My blood pressure was very high and I was losing ability to think properly or speak coherently. I needed an emergency catheter change due to the blockage, but I was in no position to instruct as I was about to pass out. As luck would have it, Brad called me. My care worker answered the phone. In true Brad fashion, he was able to walk my care worker through a catheter change for the first time. So I guess you could say he saved my life. Over the years, Brad shared his wisdom with me a lot. My experiences often seemed to run a parallel with his. He was four years ahead post-injury and our injuries were similar. This gave me the ability to tap into his understanding of his injury and body, as he would often go through things before I did. So do you feel like you're on a, still on a downhill, or you, do you feel like you've, you've hit the worst you can get and now you're climbing back up? I'd say it's a mix of both. I'd say, I'd say things like Thursday and a little bit earlier today were me thinking that it's pretty close to the end and then there are times when uh, I feel like I could leave the hospital and be just fine I know I wasn't special Brad helped everyone like he helped me whether it be instructing a catheter change or passing along relationship advice I'm lucky I still have some amazing people in my life that I can talk to, but there will only be one Brad. Friend, you will be missed by many. I love you too, man. I'll talk to you soon.